0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Man, it feels weird to not be doing a streaming show. Ooh, guess it feels a little bit good. I'll be honest with you guys. After about two and a half weeks of the streaming shows, you're kind of ready to go back to doing something else. It's a little, it's a little intense. <laughs> it's a little intense, the streaming shows. It's all so hyper-focused on the schedules. And look, here's the thing. We could probably work a little bit more of that into next year's regular season shows. And maybe I will. Maybe a little mark in the back of my brain. Uh, but overall, this is something we generally keep kind of sequestered to this time of year because you know if you're streaming this hard in December you're probably going to accidentally drop somebody that you shouldn't have someone that is going to need to kind of carry your team all the way to the finals I will say though there's something to be said for getting that first round by and then kind of retooling your team as the season goes on there's a there's a creamy middle point here between being way too patient in head-to-head leagues, which you can always get away with in Roto. Roto is all about patience. Patience, patience, patience. About the long game. You don't drop somebody the second they show a little bit of a of a chip in their overall value. Because ten that stuff tends to level off over the long run. Danny Green-itis from an, older, an olden time. Danny Green is now too old to, to have Danny Green-itis anymore. But you guys remember this so well. Four or five years ago, Danny Green would have one game where he hit seven three-pointers, two steals, four blocks. And then the next game, it was one three-pointer and a rebound. And everybody wanted to freak out. Should I drop him? Should I drop No, it was always end of the month. You look back, and it was the same thing. Ten points, three boards, two assists, a steal, a block, and a three-pointer. It was always the same thing. That's the beauty of the roto side. You don't have to worry about the day-to-day. Head-to-head, when you're streaming like this, the day-to-day is critically important. So at what point does at what point does it become too far in either direction i believe and we'll do a little bit of work on this in the off season in terms of actual numbers and digging and and that and so forth but just from a quick glance standpoint you know what i should i should have started today's podcast by saying let me talk to you for a minute about streaming because this is really a show opening rant the Advantages to streaming during the regular head-to-head season is to get a top-two seed and get a first-round bye. But how many of the guys on your team that you've already dropped during the playoffs are guys that you couldn't have possibly dropped during the regular season under a similar circumstance, someone who's a game-time decision? There are situations where you just have to hope that your guy goes. Like in the finals right now, my opponent had to drop Jaron Jackson Jr. because he was listed as doubtful for today on tomorrow's report, or uh, sorry, to yesterday's report card. Injury card. He might end up playing. Probably won't. But, I mean, we're talking about a top 50 guy right now. That guy doesn't get dropped in the regular season when he's listed as doubtful, or even if he even if he misses a game or two. So the regular season streaming is is very, very different. You can kind of have a couple of streaming spots at the end of your roster, but it doesn't really work like this. You can't rotate four or five guys in and out of your lineup this way. It's, it's two, really, during the regular season. At the very most, it's two. And you don't even really know which two. It's tough. It's tough. We'll do a little bit of research on that. That'll be something we work on going into next year in terms of it's not even a lesson learned so much as you know we don't have the lesson right now. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. It's your Friday weekend edition. Hey, happy April, everyone. We made it to the last month, last calendar month of the NBA season. A little over a week left in the NBA season. Ten, ten game days? As of as of recording right now? that's uh, That's wild. Holy crap, how did we get to this point? Well, we're here, damn it. We made it. And we're again sweeping back up and out of the long stream because at this point, you're done. You're done streaming. You make your moves probably tomorrow when all of your guys are done today. You pick from the 10 teams that are going tomorrow unless someone got hurt, which a couple people did. Again, JJJ is out, so you probably drop him if... Or not out. He's doubtful. Sorry. Uh, So that would be a situation where you could make the move today. You don't have to. But the players you could pick up today are probably better than the ones you could get tomorrow by enough—I think they're enough better that making the move today is actually worthwhile, even though you'll have a better idea of what stats you need tomorrow. Because this is a pretty big card tonight. Ten games, I think, on this Friday, so, you know, eight, nine guys probably on all of your teams are going. Meaning, by the end of today— your week is probably about 75% over, give or take, maybe about 70% over. And before today, uh, it's really more like 55-ish percent over. I think I was looking at the numbers yesterday, and we're just a little bit, maybe like 60%, we're just a little bit past halfway in terms of overall games played on the week. And with every passing day, especially a big card day, you have a a much better idea of what categories you're going to need to stream Because now by the end of the week, this is your hunting categories. You're not just hunting games anymore. That's why I said pretty much hold on to everything until Saturday. Well, uh, JJJ is probably going to miss this one. Desmond Bain is probably going to miss this one. A bunch of Memphis Grizzlies are out for this ballgame, most likely. Uh, Marvin Bagley hurt his hip. So he's probably out if you're looking at Detroit. So things happened. And I'm kind of referencing the Thursday card. And we'll get to the Thursday recap momentarily here. But just kind of looking at what you've got going on now. If you feel very confident or even fairly confident that you know which categories you're going to have to target, you could make the move today because the streaming options are better today than they are uh, tomorrow. It's just percentages. There's too many, uh, twice as many teams going today as there are tomorrow. You're going to have better options. Dallas has guys like Reggie Bullock that are floating around. Washington has a couple of guys. Rui Hachimura. Uh, Denny Avdia, Daniel Gafford, Orlando has a few guys, Markel Fultz is streamable, Indy's got Justin Anderson, Terry Taylor, if O'Shea Brissett plays, Sacramento has guys, Dante DiVincenzo, Damian Jones, Houston's got a few guys, so there are like, there are legitimate, and the Clippers and Bucks, these are teams that, that you were kind of already sitting on, Detroit you were already sitting on a little bit, Oklahoma City's got Maladone. uh, Crecci, you've got, what the hell forgetting somebody on OKC uh Aaron Wiggins Memphis is gonna have a bunch of guys today although they don't play the rest of the weekend so if you wanted to have whoever it was as kind of a backup option on Sunday that wouldn't be the way to go but I mean DeAnthony Melton is is kind of DeAnthony against the world it seems like Portland's got options Spurs have options Nuggets have some options Pelicans have some options Lakers maybe although it sounds like they're hoping to get LeBron and AD back for this ballgame as they cling. Spurs are going to play Portland here, so Lakers need to find a way to win a ballgame somehow down the stretch or they're falling out of the play-in spot. We'll see. We'll see who actually plays in this game tonight. And then if you turn the page to Saturday, yeah, the options aren't quite as good. You know, Matisse Thybul floating around out there. Mason Plumlee... The Knicks have, I don't know, like maybe, what if Julius Randle sits, maybe you maybe you get lucky and Obi Toppin floats in there. Nick Claxton has been kind of interesting on the Brooklyn side, but not as many. You know, four or five options on Saturday as opposed to probably like 15 options today. So that would be your reason. Like if you knew that you needed points and threes and probably some steals, you could probably go D'Anthony Melton today. And you wouldn't even really have to wait until tomorrow. Because the options for those, that particular set of categories, isn't as good on Saturday. Notably. Max Struss is probably Struz, Max Struss is probably the one guy looking at that Saturday card that maybe fills that selection of things. You're talking about Claxton, big guy stats are out there, Plumlee, big guy stats. Dybull gets you defensive stats, but nothing else really. So you have these Saturday specialists that are available. But if you know you need scoring, if you know you need more threes, assists are probably easier to find on this Friday card. And if you're not sure, you probably wait. But either way, this is the end of long streaming discussion. Because Sunday it's all over. Everybody basically plays on Sunday. That's a massive overload day. So you're making a move today or tomorrow. You're getting your one bonus game, hopefully. Make sure you're getting a game added, whether it's by dropping an injured guy or dropping someone after they play on Friday if they don't play again and they're an overload guy on Sunday. Whatever it is you're doing, make sure you add one game and target those categories and then close your eyes and hope for the best. And that's where the head-to-head season wraps up. Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. And that's pretty much the end of what we need to talk about on the head-to-head side. Don't worry. After next week, we're going to spend next week pretty much just going through silly season stuff. It'll be generally shorter shows as we wrap up the actual regular season of Fantasy. And then the following Monday, which I believe is April 7th? The (laughs) 11th? 7th is a week from yesterday. Looking at the March calendar, that's what I did here. Uh, April 11th, we start our off-season shows. That'll be lesson learned number one. And we'll probably line those up. I'm hoping we can get some guests on, actually, to talk about some of their favorite lessons. And uh, we'll just drop one of those a day, every day, for a while. A lot of lessons to be learned as we get ourselves prepared for the following season. Every year is different. Every year brings us a a somewhat new set of lessons, We will recycle a few because some need to be repeated. No matter how many times I yell at you guys not to do particular things on draft day, somehow, I mean, I am like, you guys have no idea. And I'm not calling anyone out in particular. So if you did this, I'm not calling you out. But if you did this, just know you're about to kind of get thrown under the bus. Please. If you ask me about a particular player and I say don't do it on draft night, don't tweet me a month and a half later saying what should I do with this guy if they're like, forget stinking, not playing. That's the one that kills me because we all make mistakes on draft night. You know, if you emailed me or if you uh, tweeted in and you were just like, Dan, what are your thoughts on RJ Barrett before draft day? I'd be like, oh, he's a really good points league option. And then you drafted him a nine category league And then in December, you were like, oh, no, I have R.J. Barrett. What do I do now? I'm like, well, you know, told you he was a points league option. Why? Why? You know, what do you want me to tell you? I don't get that upset about that one. The one that kills me is when I just keep yelling over and over again. Do not draft someone who's hurt or out to start the year. And then two months later, I get all these Ben Simmons and Zion Williamson questions. Like, look, did you I Twitter the podcast? Whatever. I said, no. No, under no circumstance. None. No circumstance. The only way you draft guys like that is if you're in a keeper or a dynasty league and get them at a ridiculous discount. Like, if you could get Kyrie Irving this year in the 6th, 7th round or something like that and then you can keep him at a 4, 5, six round price next year when he's playing every game, yeah, you get a 1st rounder at a 3rd or 4th, 5th round price. Absolutely. But you kind of also have to be squatting on it and killing a roster spot for most of the season. I mean, Kyrie, yeah, he's top five, but he played 24 games this year. And this, you know, the list of this type of stuff goes on and on and on. It's the same thing every year. There's always one guy who actually does enough, and that guy this year is Pascal Siakam. So everyone's going to be like, Dan, what about Pascal Siakam? He was hurt to start the year. Yeah, there's always one. There's always one. Because there needs to be one so that everybody can yell at me that, Dan, you're forgetting about this one guy. I'm not forgetting about him. We play the odds here. I'm a betting man playing fantasy sports. But I'm a very patient betting man playing fantasy sports. This is the long game. If there's something that works one out of every five times and the payoff isn't even that big, that's not a good play. Like, look, as good as Pascal Siakam's been, he still missed a big chunk of time at the beginning of the year. So yes, he's been a value. There's no doubt about that. And he's somehow managed to stay fairly healthy since he came back. Just a couple of games here and there over the course of the season. So he's a third-round value on the year. But where did you get him? I think he was going late 5th, early 6th. That's a decent win. But is it worth the risk in that spot? When you know that four out of every five times, probably more than that, probably more like seven out of every eight times you take that guy, they're going to end up outside the top 100. We're talking about a fifth or sixth round pick. These are guys that hit pretty often. Let me look at my uh, 9-cat roto draft of of, uh, late fifth, early sixth round picks and see what names are flipping around in there. Uh, C.J. McCollum, Jeremy Grant. There's Pascal Siakam. Darius Garland went in that neck of the woods. Terry Rozier, DeMar DeRozan, Malcolm Brogdon. So that one didn't work out so well. Things tended to pivot this year, kind of like mid-round seven. But there's a lot of guys in that range that uh, were, you know, almost sure bets other than injury-related stuff. Jared Allen, massive winner in there other than the injury. Gordon Hayward, same thing, although he's always hurt. So, you know, as you look at some of these other guys that go in that neck of the woods that are injured, Zion actually went round seven. Kyrie went round seven in this particular league. And this one was not a redraft. Or this one's not a keeper league. This was redraft. Jonathan Isaac went in the seventh round. It's too early in a redraft. There's too many good players in there. It's funny to look back on draft night, though, now. Some of the goofball names that show up in these areas like D'Angelo Russell's been fine but if you go a couple picks later Kevin Porter Jr. went at the end of the seventh round oops I took Kenny Kelly Olytic in the eighth round that's a terrible pick truly horrible although some of the you know the winners around there were a little bit less frequent anyway um so we'll get into that the week after next I don't know why I got lost in this segue here Quick recap of what went down on Thursday, and we'll get you kind of situated for the weekend, what to look forward to, and uh, then we'll get set for silly season time. Detroit beat Philadelphia. I am over the ever-loving moon about this one because for a brief fleeting moment, it looked like the Celtics were really in trouble. Celtics without Robert Williams lost to the Heat. Sixers had this Pistons game coming up. They had every chance to move back in front, and our Cs are still up by a half game. Now, admittedly, Celtics and Sixers, same number of losses. But this was a game that Philly definitely should have won because now they've got a Hornets team playing pretty well, a hungry Cavs team that kind of sucks. Pacers are terrible. They've got them twice. Raptors, Pistons. Sixers have a really easy schedule the rest of the way. I admit, I didn't realize that. Our Celtics bet's in a little bit of trouble, although they've got the Pacers, the Wizards. Uh Uh-oh. And then the Bulls, Bucks, and Grizzlies. Oh, No. Now, that moment was ripe for a Tim Allen. Oh, no. Yeah, that bet's probably dead. Oh, well, we'll hang on as long as we can, though. Whatever. Um, Philly just wasn't good. They shot 45%. James Harden was atrocious in this ballgame, and there's an assumption that he's probably going to get the second half of a back-to-back off here. No fantasy ramifications on the the Philadelphia side. For Detroit, Marvin Bagley strained a hip flexor in this ballgame, so he's likely out, which means... Hello, Kelly Olinick. Corey Joseph tends to rest on the back-to-back, so Killian Hay should have a better ball game the next time out. That, again, is today. He and Cade and Olinick and Sadiq Bey, those guys are all startable for one game. If you want to pick up Kelly-O, you've got my blessing. You've got my blessing. Go get your Kelly-O on. Kelly-O! <laughs> I'm actually going to look for him while I'm doing the podcast. I'm realizing... I probably should have done something about this a while back. He's set to have a real jumbo size game. Don't miss it! Kelly Olenek. One-game sample size. Maybe the rest of the way. Bagley's out for the rest of the season. Who the hell's coming to take Olynyk now? That's his spot. Cool, that's a fun one. I kind of forgot about that going into the podcast. I got so wrapped up in the fact that we were done streaming. Milwaukee beat Brooklyn. Fun ball game. Drew Holiday has really come on nicely late Uh, Wesley Matthews is now the starting shooting guard for this team. So that's a thing, I guess. Uh, He's not a pickup, though. No surprises on the Brooklyn side. You can start the starters there. That's a pretty easy one. Cool, cool. Atlanta blew out a tired Cleveland team, but uh, it's only getting worse. Cavs have one game off and then a pair again. This is a four-game and five-night stretch. Teams are not used to that. It used to happen... About once a year for almost every team, they've largely eliminated it out of makeup games. And so we'll see what the Cavs do in the next one. They they went to the deep reserves here. I wouldn't make any adjustments based on that. Moses Brown, again, he's really more streamer than anything. You can put him on the list of guys you might look at for Saturday. If you need boards and field goal percent, doesn't block that many shots despite his intense size. Probably about 1.1, 1.2 in the amount of minutes he's going to be getting. Uh, Gallo came back, but his minutes were kind of held in check on the Atlanta side. All it did was ruin DeAndre Hunter. Everything else kind of stayed the same. Bogdan Bogdanovich had a down game. I mean, Gallo being back is going to hurt him a little bit too. The blowout didn't help because Trey Young and Kevin Herter pretty much won this game early. Anya Kongu got extra time because of the blowout. Don't read too much into that stuff. I would expect Gallo back in the starting lineup for Luauwakaburo by their next ball game. And then we'll see how everything shakes out. But you can go ahead and drop DeAndre Hunter now because his appeal was when all of the power forwards were out. Patrick Williams started the second half for Chicago. He might very well be a pickup here. And, I mean, honestly, had we known his minutes were going to ramp up like this, he probably would have been a guy to grab at the beginning of the week. 10 points, 12 boards, a steal, two blocks, two three-pointers. He's a really solid Roto guy. Doesn't shoot at all, though. And that does worry me because he made all four of his shots here. And that's the only reason that this game was as good as it was. Alex Caruso played better with the bench unit, so I think they feel like they've found something there. Caruso, you can probably hang on to. Williams, you could probably hang on to, certainly on the head-to-head side if you've got him. Roto, eh, I think you might just go with the big guns for now. I thought Nick Batum was on a minutes cap, but he played 38 minutes in this overtime game. Uh, can't trust that to happen again. Reggie Jackson got really hot. I don't think we can trust that to happen again, not with Paul George back around. Marcus Morris had a better ball game. Ivica Zubats finally kind of took back the the big man minutes against Nikola Vucevic. Isaiah Hartenstein wasn't as good, wasn't as effective in this one. Zubats was better. Zubats was a plus five in a game they lost by five. Rob Covington, when they went small, it didn't work. Chicago clobbered him. So we kind of have to reassess the Clippers now. Who's trustworthy? The answer might just be Paul George. I know that sounds nuts, but with him back and just taking all of the usage, who else can we even imagine hits like Reggie Jackson? I know had a bigger ball game here, but that's that's not going to happen every night, not with Paul George back around. So maybe PG and Zubots, those are your guys. It's weird to only pick two names in a game where so many guys had good fantasy lines, but you 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 got to sort of read between the information here. And I know the Clippers still have a good head-to-head schedule uh, for the rest of this week. But from a Roto standpoint, I don't think I can start Covington if this is his job now. I wouldn't drop him. Hartenstein, same thing. I'd kind of hang on. You know, that might have been a matchup thing. He's generally been pretty good. And I don't think Paul George is the reason Hartenstein didn't play as much in this ball game. He just sort of was less effective. So I'd hang on to Hartenstein, hang on to Covington. George and You start you want to make a case for hanging on to reggie jackson that's fine also but i'm pretty sure you can move on from the rest of these guys and then again we talked about the lakers uh hoping to get lebron and anthony davis back for their game tonight uh both of those guys were out and they went up against a big center i had mentioned actually dwight howard as a one-day stream and that worked out quite well malik monk is a guy you use when everybody has is out but if everybody's back then it's really just lebron and ad at that point point. and then with utah Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich resurfaced after a long stretch on the pine. He's a pickup if he was dropped for what he's good at, which is scoring, typically free throws, although he wasn't as good in this ballgame. And Wancho Hernan Gomez, who was something we had kind of considered as a potential stream, but ultimately I kind of backed away from it because I was worried Bogdanovich might just show up. He still actually played a little bit. That surprised me. Uh, But he's obviously not someone you can use anymore. And now Utah kind of just goes back to being Utah again. What they were before. No, a no surprises situation, the Utah Jazz. All right. So that was your Thursday recap. Go pick up Kelly Olinick, is kind of the news from that one. What I want to do with our remaining few minutes on this podcast is actually talk about Sunday and how. I mean, this is going to be a short lesson, and I don't know that it needs a ton of explanation other than to just say, if this is your finals, you need to be home on Sunday, or at least you need to be in a place where you can access your phone. It's almost like the NBA built this Sunday schedule. I know that it's because of March Madness, and that's why there's nothing going on on Monday. That's the finals. So everybody plays the day before. Uh, But it's kind of tailor-made for a fantasy playoffs final day also because there are two games uh at 1 p.m eastern time i guess i can do pacific time there are two games at 10 a.m a game at noon 30 sorry it's noon 30 yeah that's the way people talk a game at two two games at three four games at four and a game at six and a game at six thirty. because there are actually two games at, at staples center crypto.com staples staples do grip That game is at 12.30 30, the game at 6.30 are both at the same arena, so they've got to change the floor out in between them. Uh, But the reason I bring this up is because you're going to want to arrange your play. So, like, Sunday is going to be a a total mess. It's going to be a total mess, as fantasy goes, because there's going to be resting. You know, we're one week away from the end of the NBA regular season. You're going to have a bunch of game-time decision guys on your hands. The problem with Sunday, of course, is that if someone is going, you kind of need to have them in your lineup, which sucks. If you have streamers on the, the earlier games and they're not guys that you, (laughs) you really want to have in your lineup. You, you still almost have no choice, but to drop them in there. Does that make sense? It might not actually. I don't know if it makes sense. Uh, The, <laughs> so for like use my own example, um, Rui Hachimura is in the 10 a.m. game with Boston. If he's playing, I kind of need to use him because heaven forbid you get to one of the late games and a guy gets ruled out and there's no one playing later than that guy, then you end up taking a zero. Absolutely bone crushing, soul crushingly brutal is what you're looking at there. So if someone's going somewhat early in your day, you kind of need to have them in your lineup. I know. I know. I know. Not a fan of it either. But that's the first thing you got to do. So make sure that unless someone's truly horrible in the early games, get them at, get those guys into your lineup. Obviously, the next thing you got to do is you need to be aware of what categories are doing what in a given moment. And we're kind of fortunate that... The Sunday games, with the exception a little bit of the uh, kind of the three and the four o'clock starts, where you've got six of the 12 games going in that little window, you are going to have some kind of an idea of what's going on with your day at each kind of starting juncture. So, again, take another look back at your team. And maybe you're expecting to have one or two guys that are switched between today and Sunday moves you're going to make here over the weekend. But get an idea of which of your guys are going at what time during the day. Do you have your big scoring guys going in the morning? Are those the guys going in the three and four o'clock chunk? Is it is a big scoring guy on your team? Are they going in the evening chunk? Warriors, Kings, Clippers, Pels. Those are the evening games. What you, you know? Who is is your assist guy going in the morning or the afternoon? So you have to watch the live tracker. I I really hope it's working. And it has generally been working this year. There was like one or two days where I noticed it was off kilter. Uh, Get your live tracker going and watch the categories because most likely you're going to have someone or someones on your bench. You could rotate in if the day is kind of going a weird direction. Like what if you have, I don't know, who do you have in your your 10 a.m. hour for that, that Sunday card? Do you have your big scoring player in the first thing in the morning? Is is Jason Tatum? I think the Celtics play first thing in the morning, right? What if you get a big scoring game out of Tatum? Are you able to then rotate maybe a scoring guy out of your lineup a little bit later in the day? Maybe. So you need to be you need to be flexible in the way that you approach that Sunday. Try to get an idea of what positions you can move bodies around in as well. Look at the players on your bench, look at your lineup, who gets rotated in at what time. I'll tell you right now that the dilemma I'm going to have is, you know, I have Rui Hachimura on on my roster. He's he's been a, a basically a playoff stream. He's actually had two pretty decent ball games in a row now after kind of a couple of quieter ones. That will make that decision a little bit less difficult. But if he was kind of clunking along here, and he does play tonight, so <laughs> and did two bad defenses coming, or two good defense, I should say, Dallas and then Boston. You look at that game, you're like, "Ah, oh, man, I really don't want to put this guy in. But my only other option there is to move some bodies around, and I think I'd, I think Isaiah Hartenstein would be the other guy that could float into my lineup. So you're taking a hit there. You're almost definitely going to take a scoring hit, maybe a defensive edge that comes. If you don't want to play him, and, heaven forbid, someone later in the day gets ruled out, you'd end up with a goose egg in one of those roster slots. It's really complicated to, to figure out you know, the, the, the calculation here of what is it going to take to pull a morning guy out of your lineup. And I want you guys focused on this before you make your last one or two moves this weekend. You might pick up a guy that you think really fits your the stats you're hunting well, but they might play first thing in the morning and then you're stuck because you wanted to be able to rotate them in on Sunday. Someone that goes, say, today and Sunday or something like that. Or tomorrow, Sunday. So this is all stuff you need to have in the back of your head. Whatever players you're looking at maybe picking up for the weekend, see what position they play. Can they float into your lineup? See what time they play on Sunday. I think Matisse-Thibault, doesn't Didn't doesn't Philly go Saturday, Sunday? I'm not looking at the... the the game map in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they go Saturday, Sunday. Their Sunday game is actually kind of midday. So that's an interesting one. That's a guy you might be able to rotate in. The midday is, is fun because, you know, if you pull a morning guy out, those midday guys are the ones you might be able to drop into your lineup if someone is getting ruled out in the evening, per se. And then today, Sunday, a lot of teams go today, Sunday. So that gives you a lot of options there. Just look at when they're playing and make sure that you can kind of stagger things a little bit on Sunday. Positions need to match up with whoever you pick up off the wire. And then you hold your breath. Also, don't be afraid to pull someone out of your lineup. If you've got a really close category, percentages, turnover, something like that, where playing a guy could actually cost you a category, do the calculation. If you're up by I don't know 20 points but down by two turnovers maybe you don't play Andrew Wiggins in the late ball game or CJ McCollum in the latest ball game Maybe your opponent you're trusting that your opponent's guy might only get 15 points but what are the odds that someone like McCollum has two turnovers or more Look at his recent games about 50-50 I'd say when in when in doubt, you probably just play the guy and then hope for the best. But there are going to be a lot of opportunities here on Sunday to to mix and match, and this is the day for it. So don't book a whole Sunday full of activity. This is too important. It's coming. Happy to talk to you guys about this stuff over the weekend on social. Again, it's at Dan Vesperus. I know that you know we're we're winding things down at this point. At long last, things are officially now kind of winding out. Please do drop a five-star review on the podcast. I've worked so hard to try to get you guys this thing every day forever. Thank you for somehow making March the biggest March we've ever had. Not close, Ron, honestly. And for making March uh, bigger than the previous month. I know there are more days in it, but it's the first time that we've ever had the last full month of the NBA season actually have a bigger download month than the second to last of the NBA season in the five ish five years. I think that this show's existed now. And that I think speaks to new folks coming over from social media and just a a dedication that I, I really do appreciate. So please do drop a five-star review on it. You know, I'm grateful. I am forever grateful next week, silly season week. And then off season time, enjoy the weekend, have some fun with it. I know it's stressful. Take some tums. I <laughs> take it, but you know, throw some, uh, antacids in the mix and uh, let's see what happens go win a league man go win a league let's do this see you guys on Monday